Medic 43, District 1, Engine 51, Response, Cardiac Arrest. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of the MCHD Paramedic Podcast. Hello, My guys. Name is Dr. Casey Patrick, again, the medical director here at MCHD. Today, joining me is uh, our quality supervisor, Kevin Crocker, and uh, got Andy Adams again running the board for us. Thank you, Andy. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about tranexamic acid, or TXA. Uh, we're rolling out TXA here at MCHD in the coming months, and want to talk a little bit about the background of why we came to that decision some of the evidence for making that decision, a little bit about physiology and our patient choice um, to use TXA. So before we get into the details, I think, you know, again, we have to start with a little bit of background. I don't want to, when we talk about TXA and trying to prevent clots, um, that takes us all to that nauseating picture of the 7,000 arrows and um, X's and Roman numerals of the clotting cascade that, again, makes me nauseated uh, years later. Surely don't have that one committed to memory. But again, I think take it from a a simple standpoint, and our body is in a constant battle between clotting and clot lysis. And when we're walking around doing our thing, um, this is relatively easy for us to manage. But when we ram our uh, Escalade into the uh, median at 80 miles an hour, and the steering wheel jams into our liver, our spleen, um, becomes a problem because we're bleeding like stink. And how do we internally try to stop this process? We, we try to clot. Now, several mechanisms for the final clot to form, but the one that we're going to talk about today with TXA is basically the, the fibrin clot formation, or what we knew back when we were seven or eight years old and riding our bike down the hill. It's a scab that formed after we skin our knee. That same scab, that same structure forms internally as well. And that the main building block of those scabs is fibrin. And how does TXA come into play? Well, again, like I said, our body is in a constant clot, clot breakdown process and different enzymatic processes help us build that clot and help us break it down. Um, the breakdown process occurs via plasmin and plasmin is activated um, or converted um, from plasminogen into plasmin and TXA basically blocks that conversion. So if you have plasminogen and no plasmin, you've got a more stable fibrin clot. So in other words, TXA is gonna prevent that, prevent that enzymatic conversion, prevent the production of plasmin, and is gonna make, therefore, make the fibrin clots more stable. Um, to take it to an analogy that we're all familiar with in our stroke patients, we wanna get those stroke patients to comprehend, comprehensive stroke centers as quickly as possible so that they can get tissue plasminogen activator, or TPA, the exact opposite physiologic process. You've got a clot in your middle cerebral or your anterior cerebral artery. We want to try to break that clot down. We want to have as much circulating plasminogen as possible, so we we add it exogenously with TPA. Um, From a tranexamic acid or TXA standpoint, we're going to create more stable fibrin clots by preventing the production of plasmin. So Dr. Patrick, TXA has actually been around for a long time. It's a relatively old drug, but uh, there's a couple relatively recent studies, Crash 2 and Matters, which kind of talks about the use of TXA in the trauma patient in the pre-hospital environment. Do you want to spend some time talking about those two studies and what they found and how it relates to, to what we do every day? So, yeah, Kevin, that's, that's, you know, 
perfect perfect segue into those two studies. Crash two and matters have gotten quite a bit of play in the medical literature, emergency medicine, especially trauma world, even lay press over the past, uh, you know, five or six years. Crash two was a large, um, multi-country study um, that looked at trauma patients, potentially bleeding trauma patients. TXA was given to those folks, and you know, outcomes were analyzed and looked at basically who lived and who died. Um, Matters was a military study that was done in Afghanistan, so young, uh, healthy population of, of soldiers uh, from the battlefield with trauma, looking at who lived, who died after, after uh, potential bleeding events. I don't want to get into the details of the issues with uh, Crash 2 and Matters, um, I don't want this to be a, uh, you know, a journal club type discussion. Um, there are some, some major points that um, people can look at and say, well, this doesn't apply to, to Conroe, to the Woodlands, to Montgomery County. Um, but I think that if you boil the numbers down, I think we can make a pretty convincing story that we should, we should be using this on our patients. Um, again, I don't want to be a, you know, a statistics instructor here because I'm not one, um, but when you boil the numbers down and we look at the statistics in these studies, um, one of the numbers I think that gets us sort of to the, the bottom line, the cut to the chase, like you know, what are we looking at here is what's called NNT or number needed to treat. And number needed to treat has to do with absolute or is calculated from the absolute risk reduction. And the reduction of what we're looking at is mortality. And in crash two, the number needed to treat was 67 and matters it was 17. So what does that tell us? That tells us we need to treat in crash two, based on their numbers, 67 trauma patients, 67 potentially bleeding trauma patients with TXA to save a life. Matters, a little more robust in that only had to treat 17 patients to save a life. Now, where are we going to be in Montgomery County? Who knows? Um, because, again, we're not, you know, crash two was done in developing countries um, with, without uh, established trauma systems of care. So some people might say, well, you know, this crash too translatable to Conroe because we have, you know, a well-functioning, uh, you know, superb EMS system and great level two trauma centers in our county. That doesn't really match to Africa or Southeast Asia. Um, but I think that, again, in both these studies, what we saw was that, hey, the quicker the patients get TXA, the better that they do. So from our standpoint, we're the perfect people to be given TXA because we see those MVCs first. Um, so I think the patient population is not matching, probably isn't, uh, you know, critically important. Um, with TXA, another negative that, that people will bring up when you discuss this and you listen to talks about it is potential risk for DVT and PE. And any time that we alter the clotting cascade from the standpoint of stabilizing the fibrin clot, it's easy to sort of extrapolate and think, well, are you going to cause you know, blood clot in the leg or blood clot in the lungs. And again, I think that you know, from a common sense standpoint, we're not pro-thrombotic. We're anti-clot lysis, if you think about exactly what we're tar targeting physiologically. Um, and then there's multiple meta-analysis across disciplines. Um, again, not to get into research detail weeds uh, too deeply that show no increased risk of DVT-PE in, in this patient population. So just to step back a little bit, so the MATTERS is a military study, which is relatively young, healthy individuals. But the CRASH study, uh, even though it's in developing countries, when you look at that patient demographic population, uh, 
it covers a wide span of age ranges and sexes. So it probably translates better to Montgomery County. Um, and then hopefully with us being a more developed trauma se- like trauma system, our number needed to treat would be lower than the 67 from the crash, but probably not quite as good as the, the matters number needed to treat a 17. I think it's impossible to know. Um, I think that when you look at, you know, are you 17, are you 70? I mean, what if you were 100 or 120? Even if, even if we can say, well, maybe we have a more – more developed trauma surgery program at Conroe Regional and at, uh, you know, Memorial Hermann at our level two trauma centers. Maybe our patient survival is going to be quicker and better because we have that care and we don't reach the time point to where TXA is going to save that life. So you could be a, a, you know, a naysayer and say, well, you're going to get them to the operating room quicker. So the TXA doesn't really matter. So your, your NNT is going to be even higher. Um, I think you could take that approach, but let's say the number needed to treat was 120. Um, you know, TXA is 12 bucks a dose. So to save 100, 100 lives would cost 1,200, I mean, to use it 100 times, excuse me, to save one life would cost 1,200 bucks. Right, so there's not really a, a downside to it. You know, you don't see increased DVTPE in the cardiac literature, it's been used in, in cardiac surgery, it's been used in, in OB settings, it's been used in ENT, oral surgery settings, and again, across multiple meta-analyses, you don't see increased DVT-PE in, in these studies. So I feel like there's not a huge downside, even if our NNT, if you take the, the negative approach and say it's going to be higher. Yeah, still a, a relatively low number needed to treat and a, a pretty cheap drug, so yeah, very makes cheap. a lot of sense. 12 bucks a dose. Yeah. So clearly we're going to use it in trauma patients here in Montgomery County. Uh, what trauma patients specifically are you, are you targeting to receive the TXA? I think for right now, we're going to start with um, our trauma activations. That's our uh, blunt trauma patients, uh, penetrating trauma patients with systolic pressures less than 90. Uh, again, time is of the essence in, in these folks. We mentioned this uh, earlier when talking about the studies, but um, fairly obvious that survival benefit decreases with length of time to TXA administration. Looks in the most recent Lancet meta-analysis, it showed a survival benefit decrease of 10% for every 15 minutes delay before the patients got TXA. And again, how does the study translate to our real life? We're not going to pull out the stopwatch and the calculator and calculate percentages and times, but the gist is, the moral of the story, the quicker patients get TXA, the better that they do. So who better to give it quickly than the, you know, the pre-hospital care providers, us, on scene? Um, and again, we're going to watch the literature on this because there's, there's a couple studies. They're not perfect matches for our patient populations. There are issues with the study construct in both cases, um, some of the data analysis. They're not perfect studies. But again, I think that there's enough evidence. There's a, you know, a scarcity of downside, and there's a positive pos- you know, cost-benefit uh, ratio for us to move forward with this. And we're going to keep our keep our ears open. There's crash three is going on now, looking at head injuries, and TXA. And we'll watch for the watch for the results there. We're not introducing it to head injuries to start. It's just going to be our blunt, hypotensive, penetrating hypotensive trauma patients. You know, OB uses. It's been used in the OB world for for decades, like you said. I think that there's the potential for OB use in the future if we saw. Them Evidence that supported potentially ectopic pregnancy, epistaxis. There's some interesting recent studies using it in soaked packing for epistaxis. We don't pack our nosebleeds at MCHD, you know, pre-hospital from a pre-hospital standpoint, but we do have an atomizer. So uh, going forward, I think it's reasonable to think about 
intranasal use of TXA with pressure for nosebleeds. Again, don't want to muddy the water too much. Don't want to, you know, bite off too big of, you know, too many bites of cake. We're going to take our, our lowest hanging fruit, our most common hypotensive potential bleeding patient, and that's our trauma activations, and start there. All right, so we'll keep our eyes open for, for future literature or things we could use it for, but today it's the trauma activations with uh, suspected bleeding and uh, uh, systolic pressure of less than 90. Um, so what's the dose going to be? That's one of the, you know, two thumbs up or two major positives here from a from an introduction standpoint for me. Number one is cost. We talked about 12 bucks a dose, so we're not spending, you know, large amounts of money to stock the drug. Secondly, it's not going to take a lot of education or calculation or complicated dosing protocols for our paramedics. Um, it's a one gram IV single bolus dose. If you're familiar with the studies and you're raising your hand out there being a little picky and saying, well, what about the bolus dose, uh, the second dose that was given in crash, crash two and matters? You know, luckily we've got, like I said before, we've got a, uh, a well-oiled machine here with our pre-hospital care system in Montgomery County with MCHD and our scene times are really short. And so I don't feel like that from a pre-hospital setting that the second dose is really going to fall into our purview. Um, you know, we discussed this with both of our level two trauma centers, and I think that the second dose can be left up to the trauma service. So from, from the standpoint of what we're doing on the truck, it's going to be a single one gram IV dose. So yeah, and when you look at our county versus the, you know, the crashes in the matter study, uh, a lot of those patients had a very extended time to get to an operating room, which is not a problem we have in, in the county with two level two trauma centers. I mean, if we were out in West Texas, for sure, I think we would have to consider giving the second dose. But because of our short times, I think that we can keep it pretty darn simple. So, you know, moving forward, all sounds pretty grand. Don't really hear a whole lot of downside, but I think there are some pitfalls that we need to consider. You know, this is an adjunct. TXA is an adjunct. It's not, it's not replacing anything that we already do and anything that we already do well. Don't forget the golden hour. Don't forget our basic foundations of trauma care. We've created an atmosphere of, of solid trauma care, a, you know, a pattern, a, a legacy of strong trauma care here in Montgomery County for decades. Um, so we still have to concentrate on the things that have gotten us there. Short scene times, early access, both IV or IO, depending on the patient and what we need to do. Uh, fluid administration, if indicated, pressure, tourniquets, quick clot. We can't delay those things that we already have in our, in our trauma foundation at the expense of TXA. So yes, it's a new drug. It's a quote unquote shiny new toy, but we still have to do all those basic trauma foundational uh, care pieces that we, we already do well. We can't forget those. So, so TXA is really just an extra you know, tool in the toolbox that you use during transport. Absolutely. During transport. Yeah, we don't want to delay scene time for it. We don't want to, uh, you know, have our 15 minute times go to 20 minutes or 25 minutes. We want to continue doing the things that we do and do them well and add TXA in as an adjunct. Yeah, don't get distracted by the shiny objects. Absolutely. So we talked, we talked a little bit about uh, TXA physiology. We talked about some of the data behind it. We've talked about who we're going to use it specifically here at MCHD and our dosing and some of the, some of the potential pitfalls. Let's go ahead and recap those real quick and wrap this up, Kevin. Um, TXA, it prevents fibrin clot breakdown. So that scab forms. TXA prevents the enzymatic conversion of 
plasmin, so no plasmin, more stable fibrin. Like you said, Kevin, it's been used for decades, OB, ENT, oral surgery, cardiac surgery, um, lots of literature out there, lots of literature supporting no increase in DVT, PE. It's cheap, it's easy to dose. One gram IV, 12 bucks a dose. Survival benefit in CRASH-2 matters, the two most recent large studies in trauma patients show a number needed to treat between 20 and 60, and again, that's mortality. So we give it to 60 people. We have a live save that otherwise wouldn't have been. Sooner is better. The quicker the patients get this in all studies, the more robust the mortality benefit. And of note, we didn't mention it earlier, but I think it's, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't, and we need to make sure that uh, we're clear here. After three hours, actually, there's not only no benefit, but it's been shown to be correlated with increased mortality. So if we, per chance, ran into a patient that had been running in the woods from law enforcement, found in a ditch hours later, some delay with blunt or penetrating trauma, the patient was hypotensive. If we're concerned about time here, we want, we want to withhold it. So that three-hour time period is going to be our limit. If we think it's been longer than three hours since their blunt or penetrating injury, we don't want to be giving them TXA. And again, last but not least, don't forget our scene times. Don't forget our access, pressure, fluids, all those things that are the basis of good trauma care. The golden hour is still the golden hour. So I think that's a great summary. So we did talk a little bit earlier about number needed to treat, which may be a new term to some of our paramedics. Um, I don't want to let you out the door without kind of diving into what that means a little bit and if there's some way to kind of tie that all together, if you have something to make yeah, sense. Yeah, you know, I think, again, when we talk about statistics, I don't, want to, I don't want to bore everybody, bog everybody down, but let's take it to something that we know and we know well, and that's aspirin. And we can all remember back to the first STEMI patient that we took care of when we were training. We got that caged, pre-planned question of if you have one drug to give to a STEMI patient, what would you give them? And it was always to try to trip you up and get you to say nitro when the answer was aspirin. And the reason is, is that nitro has never been shown to have a mortality benefit in STEMI patients. Yeah, it can decrease their pain and that's important, but that's, that was a teaching point from that question, right? And I, I've missed it myself. I've used it. It's, it's, it's well-worn. But what, it, you know, what we're really getting at is that aspirin in STEMI patients is the medicine that is most likely to save the patient's life. And we don't miss it, right? I mean, it's a core measure. Did we give aspirin? Did we give aspirin within our certain prescribed time limit? It's, you know, we track it from an MCHD standpoint, pre-hospital care. All our hospital systems track it everybody's got to get their 325 of aspirin. Absolutely. And if they don't get it, we've got to document why. Do they have anaphylaxis or active GI bleeding or all those things that we think about with aspirin administration. The number needed to treat for aspirin and mortality in a STEMI is 42. So we think about 60 to 20 to 60 in TXA, we're right in that same range. And I think with TXA and aspirin, sort of the, the hard part for us as pre-hospital providers is you know, if a patient um, calls us and they have respiratory failure and they're sat in the 70s and their respiratory rate's 40 and they're ashen and cyanotic and we show up and we you know, do all our DSI prep and we intubate them 
and their stats are 95 and their color improves and their respiratory rate improves, that's an immediate gratification, right? We made a clinical decision, we perform a procedure, and we see that the patient did better. We give tons of aspirin, and do we ever know which STEMI is saved because they got aspirin that wouldn't have otherwise? No, we don't have any idea. And the same thing is going to be true for TXA because, you know, one in 20, one in 60, one in 100 will be saved in our blunt trauma, penetrating trauma, hypotensive patients by getting TXA, but we'll never know which one that is. So that immediate gratification is not there, but that shouldn't minimize our efforts. And I think that, you know, that shouldn't prevent us from going forward, introducing the drug. And we're going to, we're going to roll it out here with first quarter CE. And so all you listeners out there, you'll see our, the official protocol and, and you'll see it stocked on the trucks. And we're really excited to start using it and to start providing it to you know, the patients in Montgomery County, we think that we're going to improve, improve outcomes, save lives, and uh, again, improve our trauma care. So if you have questions or comments, uh, problems with anything that we said or talked about, please pass them our ways. Um, we're always open for suggestions for new topics. Thank you guys for listening today. Again, thank Andy on the controls. Thank Kevin for joining me. Thank you, Dr. Patrick. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys soon. This podcast was brought to you by the Montgomery County Hospital District, Texas. Production and editing by Andrew Adams. Questions or comments, which are always welcome, can be sent to podcast at mchd-tx.org. Make sure to subscribe above to keep updated to all our future casts. Music, copyright, Kevin McLeod, and Competech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.